Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside DLU, and we look back on the first victory of the Chris Kleiman era, a 49-14 win for K-State over Nichols in a game that K-State took control early and never looked back. It was uh, as convincing and as, uh, I would have to say, in terms of what you're looking for as a K-State fan, exactly what you want in an opener. Uh, you have a, uh, an opponent that you feel like you should be able to outclass and win comfortably. And in, in some prior years, that hasn't always been the case, but uh, there was no, um, no doubt about this one here as K-State wins this one going away 49-14. to I bring in Dilu here, and uh, Dilu, you're playing a little sick today, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hurt, not injured. But uh, I'm battling through it because you know what? Even when you got a cold, the grind never stops, my man. Well, you know, I, I, ha- I would have to say you're kind of trying to win the dang day a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, I guess you could say that. You, you know, see. there's a few performances. I mean, obviously the Michael Jordan flu game comes to mind, um, and I think that my performance tonight's going to be right up there with that. The dang day is not winning today. You're beating the day, right? Is that kind of how that works? Yeah, I think I think yeah, you got that some, right. Something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, Dilu, like I said, 49 to 14, a dominating performance for K State as they really control this game from uh, from the opening snap. As a as a K State fan, how would you have to grade this uh, this first game for uh, Chris Kleiman at K State? Well, you always want to be careful about overreacting um, to the to week one games, especially week one games against FCS teams. But um, I think it's clear to me that this is the best K State team I've ever seen. Um, and so I expect big things from this team. Um, and I can't state how proud I am of the performance on, uh, that we saw last Saturday. And I, and I am eager to see how they uh, continue to improve moving forward. K-State outgained uh, Nichols by nearly 300 yards, uh, 573 to 276. And... Folks, if you remember last week, we had made the declaration that the lynch mob was back. And I feel that you know, no one else was saying this, but we did. No one else had the guts to say it. No one else had the guts to say it. It's exactly right. But we will. We will. Nobody else in this town will. And after week one, I don't think there's any doubt that the lynch mob is back. Yeah, I, just a very stout performance against uh, Nichols and... Uh, Quarterback Chase Forcade, uh, the senior, by the way, Chase Forcade. Uh, but you know, the one thing out of the defense that I that we didn't see that I would have liked to have seen. I mean, I think they did a the secondary did a good job uh, securing uh, turnovers and tackling looked crisp, but no pass rush. Well, not I don't want to say no pass rush, but no sacks. Yeah. On Saturday. Yep. No sacks. Yep. Um, and so that's one thing moving forward that. If this team wants to really compete in conference against some of the better offenses in the Big 12, they're going to need to uh, find a way to get in the backfield and create a little havoc. But uh, had some pressures, had some hurries on Saturday night, but weren't able, were never able to quite bring down uh, Nichols' senior quarterback, Chase 4K. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the defense first, because I feel like we always talk about the offense first. So let's... Let's recognize the mob first here. What do you say about that? I say I'm, I'm all about it. Well, Daquan Patton, five tackles, uh, all solo, led the way. Um, you have to really think about 
when you look at Daquan Patton and um, Elijah Sullivan as the linebackers of this defense, two guys that, of course, have been in the program for a while now, you have to feel pretty comfortable at that position. Uh, so I was pleased by their play for the most part. Secondary, um, a guy that made kind of the biggest play of the day uh, from the defensive side uh, were two guys in the secondary. Uh, A.J. Parker with an early interception and uh, Jonathan Alexander with a scoop and score on the fumble uh, for a touchdown. Y- you saw a little bit about, in, in Grant, I think with it being an FCS opponent, you have to uh, you know take that into consideration. But you have to look at what uh, Casey was able to get solid play really at all three levels. If you had to look at it at one level, as you mentioned, that was maybe a little subpar or maybe didn't quite perform as well as the other two levels uh, would have had him in that defensive line. But, uh, you know, when you look at K-State, the defensive line really seems to be probably the least of their issues. Um, so it was a pretty encouraging performance really at, at all levels of, of the K-State defense. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see uh, – the linebackers, as you mentioned, uh, another guy that I thought played lights out um, is Jerome McPherson. I thought he had a flying great, around. Out there. He yeah, yeah, flying around, just really having a nose for the football and getting to the ball carrier in a hurry. Uh, I was very impressed with his ability to uh, to manage himself in space and just step up and get to the ball carrier fast. I thought Bronson Massey. Uh, showed some nice uh, flashes as well uh, as a guy that kind of got in there with the with the reserves, uh, you know, primarily in the third and fourth quarter, but also, um, you know, I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, performed very well. Uh, got some good pressure on uh, 4K, uh, what, like as we said, no sacks, but uh, did get some nice pressure um, throughout the game. Another guy that uh, was nice to see out there in his first action as a Wildcat was Daniel Green. Um Lots of that's the one great thing about um, these early games. If if you're able to take care of business the way you can, is you can get a lot of other guys some playing time. So that you know, as injuries occur and as um, as things happen, that when they get pressed into action, it's not the first time they've seen the field all season. Yeah, it's nice to get that rotation in there. And well, and Kleiman said that he wants to substitute a lot on defense, and so it's going to be important to get those guys some reps early because that's just going to be how this defense operates. Well, um, all, all things considered here as we as we look at the defense, have to give them an A-plus or darn near it. Uh, maybe not an A-plus, maybe just a maybe a B-plus, A. What, what are you thinking in terms of a grade for the defense's performance on Saturday? You know, I, would, I think A-plus might be a little too high given that first drive coming out of halftime. Yeah, that was, that was a little... They couple marched, missed tackles. Marched down the field, five plays, seventy-five yards. It's not what you want. A couple missed tackles led to a big gain, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't K State's best defense. But outside of that, pretty darn solid. Absolutely. I mean, they had what sixteen or seventeen plays total in the first half. Yeah, uh, kept them off the field, of course, and we'll get part into of that's that. the interception. Yeah. But the other parts, just solid defense. Um, you know, holding them to three and outs. Uh, three times in the first half, according to my drive chart. But uh, just a strong performance from the first unit and a little bit of room to improve, um, certainly. But if that's if that's our starting line where we need to improve from, I think that that's an encouraging sign for K-State's defense. Certainly a much different conversation we were having after the first game last year. Absolutely. I mean, and that's what 
that's what was such a nice feeling about Saturday is that K-State fans have become accustomed to going into these first weeks plugging our nose against, you know, an inferior team thinking, okay, well, let's just survive this week. Let's try not to have it be embarrassingly close and, for the love of God, just win the game. Yeah. I mean, that that game that game last year against South Dakota, was it South Dakota State? Yeah, South Dakota. South Dakota. The Coyotes. The Coyotes, not the Jacks. That's right. Uh, but that was terrifying. I mean, legitimately scary. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was just like, oh, it's a tie game or we're only ahead by three. We were down by two scores midway through the fourth quarter, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, we were a very long shot to win that game at one point. And that that experience is so not fun. It, it's, it, 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 it is no. the opposite of fun. It is just stress and dread for like three hours. And uh, at least if you're really into the game and K-State sports and that thing. If, if you know, not everybody is... Yeah. Super fan grinders like us. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that's what was so nice about the game on Saturday against Nichols is that from the get-go, K-State was in control of this thing. The game was never really competitive. I mean, the first half was so dominant that you never really felt that K-State was in jeopardy of it being close. I mean, sure. the first drive out of the third quarter, you're thinking, okay, well, let's... Let's not make this a habit. Let's not yeah. make this a habit. Let's go out and score. And uh, by the end of the third quarter, we did. And by the end of the third quarter, it was... Um, well, I guess it was still 28-7. to But in any event, K-State scored on the first play of the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was right. just never a stressful game. And uh, that's a bit of a fresh feeling for K-State fans because so many times, especially in later on in Snyder's tenure... It, these games just got stressful. Yep, there was the uh, old um, the old mindset of saying, you know what, we're not going to show anything. We're just going to run our base defense, literally not blitz outside of maybe once or twice. We're going to count on four guys to get pressure here from here on out. We're going to play our soft quarters defense that we're you know accustomed to, and. All right, that's you're you're almost playing those games sometimes with a hand tied behind your back, and and you know with the way college football is right now, it's not uncommon. I mean, you see Iowa State get pushed to the limit by South Dakota State um, just this last week. Uh, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, excuse right. me. South Dakota State was uh, no, they beat KU a few years. I deal thank you. For Indiana that. State. Indiana took State. Kansas to the limit. Yeah, exactly. Took them to the limit. Took them, took them to, and, they were just, and they weren't even playing by the rules. Yeah. Uh, no, but anyway, so uh, excuse me there for that. But Northern Iowa uh, take, takes uh, Iowa State, I believe, to triple overtime. And, you know, with Iowa State fans having, you know, grand expectations for this season, uh, conditioning themselves as a uh, preseason dark horse to, to get to the conference title, Losing a first game and then having to set a week uh, before you have to play your in-state rival Iowa would not have been a fun, uh, not a fun feeling for those Cyclones fans. But they were able to survive, and just with the the nature of these FCS teams these days, uh, there's not as much level of separation uh, as as there once was. And uh, if you're going to play this game, play a game with hand tied behind your back and are bound and determined not to show anything, 
you're going to let these teams hang around and make it a lot more uncomfortable than it really should be. Yeah, and it's dangerous. I mean, K-State was lucky to beat South Dakota last yes, year. Yes, correct. I mean, it, that it, that was a game that K-State should have lost. loses eight out of ten times. Probably. Yeah, should have lost, yeah. And uh, so, bully for us for not showing all of our complex plays we ran last year and our crazy defenses that we would show, which... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that, uh, what, they the they still play. may never have shown them last year. Yeah, guess, huh? but... Uh, didn't quite get to that page. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that on Saturday we didn't waste any time. And we didn't really do anything all that crazy. And, I mean, I guess you could say that we did show, if we want to move into the offensive side. Well, I was just about ready to get over there. So let's go ahead and look at the offensive side. So we, we did do a – we showed our hand a little bit that this is what K-State's going to do on offense. We're going to do a lot of pre-snap shifts. We're going to use some uh, zone blocking schemes and just that – power block, uh, A-gap stuff that you saw uh, used a lot at North Dakota State. And we're going to work out of the play action and mix in some bootlegs, and that's just going to be how the offense goes. And i got to tell you, I loved what I saw. I really like that style because it's just so intuitive. We're going to hit you in the mouth for as long as you can do it, and then when you start cheating, we're going to run play action and go over the top. And that... That was that. Uh, that's exactly what they did on Saturday when they threw over the top to Schoen, um for that touchdown, the first touchdown of the fourth quarter, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. There if was. you go back and look at that play, the whole second and third layer of Nichols' defenses were all biting so hard on the play action, and that's just because they'd been burned on that all night. And then uh, the corner who was tasked with covering Schoen, he was cheating on the curl route, which they'd been beating him on all night. And then they just, it was a simple double move, and he had five or ten yards of space between him and the defense, the corner. Yep. And so Skyler did a good job of underthrowing that just a hair, just to play it safe. But it was, this isn't a, compl- it's, it's not a complicated offense. I don't think offense needs to be particularly complicated. That It's just establish your running game. And when that doesn't work anymore, run some fakes and pass it on them. And it's it sounds so simple, and but it, it's because that's all it needs to be. And I think that if K-State's offense can just stick to that general philosophy, and as far as I can tell, at least on Saturday, that's the philosophy they're going to stick with, I think it's really smart. I think that's the way, that's the offense that works the best. And let me just run down here in the first half. K-State's drives on, on full fields. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out the drive that uh, was set up by the A.J. Parker interception that gave K-State a, a bit of a short field there. First drive of the game, 12 plays, 72 yards, taking six, mi- six minutes and 15 seconds of, of, of time. Next, pl- er, next drive, 10 plays, 71 yards, 447 off the clock. Next touchdown drive. 10 plays, 73 yards, 5 minutes and 20 seconds off the clock. And then right before half, uh, 8 plays, 68 yards, in only 3 minutes, uh, unfortunately capped off by a missed field goal from Blake Lynch. We move in to the second half. It's more of the same. 11 plays, 49 yards, 5 minutes. 10 plays, 97 yards, 5 minutes. I mean, these are just – I could go down the list here. It's just – 
you know, we're getting first downs, we're moving the clock, we're controlling the tempo. Uh, you can't really ask for anything. I mean, in terms of a ball control offense, I had uh, tweeted out that K-State leads the nation in time of possession after uh, the first week of action in college football. Um, and let me just double-check that time, 41 minutes and 9 seconds of, of time. You know, you mentioned K or mentioned that that Nickel State only runs um, was it 17, 18 plays in the first half. Mm-hmm. They were hardly on the field. So um, with that well, being conversely, said, K State ran 80 plays, which is unheard of really it, for a K State team. Yeah, and it, it's not, and that's not always going to be the case. No, of course not. But and that that mostly has to do with a high success rate for K State, where they're just moving the sticks a lot, and there aren't a ton of chunk plays, but. Um, Still 80 plays, and part of that's the defense, just getting the offense back on the field fast, and also part of it's probably a, qu- a, a quicker pace. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't see K-State leading the play clock down to under five One second, seconds. Yeah. Um, and so just more of a chance for this K-State offense to get more plays in. But 80 plays, uh, without having gone and looked through uh, different box scores throughout the last – few years I would assume that that's near or at the top for uh, K-State in terms of raw plays you want to know when the last time we had that time that amount of uh, time of possession you have to go back to 1997 against Texas A&M was the last time we had more time of possession than that wow that's really surprising I'm surprised that A&M team didn't uh, chew off some more time yeah and that yeah that's even in a conference game so very impressive performance from K-State's offense d I want to go uh, just kind of down the line real quick on some of the top performers and, uh, you know, kind of have you break down uh, the position group. Let's start first with the offensive line, the the big sexes up there, the hog mollies, so to speak. And, you know, anytime you, you go out and rush for 361 yards, that that works. That, that That's something we'll live with all day long. And no sacks. No sacks given up, too, which is, is uh, you know, that's always great, too. It's so what you like to see. When you look at what K-State did on the offensive line, uh, a couple guys that stuck out to me, uh, Josh Revis, uh, Colt Meyer, thought they played real well. Absolutely, and especially Colt Meyer. That's a guy we talked about. I believe we talked about him last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a guy that I think done, has done a – it's kind of unfortunate that he's had to sit behind, uh, you know, two pretty darn good – I mean, obviously, uh, Dalton uh, Reisner now in the NFL – and uh, Scott France over there uh, at uh, at the other tackle position. It's a shame that he's kind of had to sit on the bench behind uh, those guys uh, because he's I thought has been a- as consistent as you could ask for whenever he has gotten the opportunity, and he's played very well. Yeah, and I think he shined on Saturday as well. Uh, moving down the line, glad to see Scott France doesn't appear to have a significant yep, injury. Nothing came serious off the field, thing. came back on, and yep. got some run. Um, Holtorf. Uh, the, as far as the interior goes, I'd like to see a little more consistency out of them. I thought they uh, did an okay job, but would like to see a more uh, consistent uh, effort from those interior hog mollies. But on, at least as far as tackles go, uh, I thought that uh, Colt Meyer in France uh, and, as you said, Revis certainly did a good job. Yeah, and Revis you know, wasn't in the starting lineup, but did get a play quite a bit and thought he uh, – I know he graded out really well by PFF. Don't even 
we watched it with our eyes. Yeah. So we know he did fine. But in uh, PFF, maybe they heard our criticism. Maybe have decided, you know what? We might skim on the other teams, but for K State, our, our gig has been found out. So yeah. we're gonna have to, you know, step up our game there. But offensive line did great. Let's transition out of the running backs. I can't remember a time that K State has had um, four running backs carry the ball over ten times in a game. No, I can't remember a time that. You're even. I can't remember a time that we've had really probably more than two guys get more than 10 carries, excluding the quarterback, of course. But um, with four different running backs, James Gilbert, who I thought shined, you know, maybe the brightest of the running backs, uh, 18 carries for 115 yards. I'll just kind of run down the list here. Tyler Burns, uh, 64 yards on 10 carries. Harry Trotter, uh, the first touchdown of the season goes to Harry Trotter. So if you had him in your pool, uh, congratulations uh, on that one. Uh, five yards a carry, 50 yards on 10 attempts. And Jordan Brown, uh, 49 yards on 11 attempts. So really, when you look up and down the line, pretty much steady, even production from those guys. The stable. That's right. Um, and then, of course, you, you, I know it's not the he's not a running back, but John Holcomb. Whew. There at the end of the game. That was like a Clydesdale. He... Um, that is, you know, I think we're going to get maybe into something a little bit later, maybe regarding uh, a package for him, because I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that down by uh, the goal liner and short yard situa- situations. Yeah. Um, as far as running backs go, I thought, gosh, I, I really liked what I saw on uh, Saturday. I think uh, Gilbert, especially, like you mentioned, uh, was very impressive going uh, for 115 yards on 18 carries. And Getting a chance to really watch him run, he he kind of strikes me as a, a John Huber style, a guy that's not gonna blow you away with his speed or shiftiness necessarily, or his power. But he does all of those things reasonably well, and he's short, and so that just reminds me of there you go. a lot of John Hubert. I think he brings a lot of the same tools to the table. Um, and then, but I thought all of them did a good job. Uh, Trotter, Trotter's run, uh, his touchdown run, was very impressive, just throwing guys off of him uh, as he bounced that outside. One thing I, to keep in mind is when you rewatch the game, you notice that the running backs tended to bounce it out, bounce inside gives to the outside when they'd get into some trouble. Um, I think that can work against Nickel State. Uh, I'm not, I don't think that'll work. Against Mississippi State, for example, I think mm-hmm. you're going to have defensive ends who are stronger and get upfield and can contain, and then you just have faster athletes across sure. the field. And so, sure. uh, th- that's one thing to watch this week is to see if K State's interior running plays can actually work as they're designed to, or whether the running backs have a habit of, um, you know, when the middle gets clogged, trying to bounce it outside and getting a lot of success there, because that'll work against some weaker defenses, but against some of the um, defenses that they'll face throughout the rest of the year that are, can fly around the field a little easier. I'd be surprised if K-State running backs had success doing that. Sure, I think that's that's a good point. Uh, switching uh, from, from the ground to the air here a little bit, Skylar Thompson, 16 of 22, 212 yards, a touchdown. You know, that, that stat line, you're like, well, 16 of 22, 212 yards, a touchdown. Nah, maybe not, you know, overly impressive. 
uh, on ESPN a QBR of 98.9 out of 100. That's impressive. Um, I also think just by watching him out there, that's as comfortable as he's looked in a long time uh, out there. You know, where similar, I want to kind of bring back a, a game from years past, uh, the Oklahoma State game in 2016 or 2017, excuse me, where K-State was able to find success running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and of course he had a big day throwing the ball deep to Byron Pringle. Exactly. And so you see a little bit of that, obviously in a little bit different, um, in a little bit different way, uh, kind of with what K-State's doing stylistically now on offense. But in terms of how he looked on on uh, on Saturday, I think that was is one of his more impressive performances. Even though the stats don't necessarily, you know, he didn't throw for 300 yards, didn't you know have four touchdowns. But in terms of just an overall game, I thought he looked really well. Yeah, just and he even ran the ball well too. Very efficient, but he, and he ran the ball, but he wasn't asked to run the ball that much. He had three carries for 30 yards, and uh, I know at least two of those were just. Scrambles. Sure. Uh, had a really, in speaking of scrambles, he had a really nice uh, way of, of getting out of the pocket on a, on a really nice play, finding Sebastian Taylor uh, after scrambling, not much there. And uh, that was a really nice play, too. The, when you see that, you say, okay, this guy, when he gets out of the pocket, he can create a little bit. Yeah, and that's what we've, that's when Skyler's been at his best throughout the years, yeah. is that when he gets into some trouble, he's asked to improvise a little bit and do, uh, you know, there's some quarterbacks got it. Some quarterbacks can do that where they can improvise and and you know not get tunnel vision and think, okay, I'm I, I have to run. But they get in some trouble and keep their eyes downfield. I mean, that's what he did against Iowa State. Sure. Um, yeah. Obviously, the kind of probably the most iconic play of his career so far. Yeah, absolutely iconic. Um, but you got to see him do a little bit of that. But I just loved not. I just really liked seeing him in a position where he wasn't asked to run the football seven times mm-hmm. uh, on his own. I think it's just smart. Yeah, but I remember watching him at the spring game. I think it would have been the twenty six or twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen spring game. I can't recall exactly, but you could see early on he throws a beautiful ball, and uh, his accuracy looked very good. Uh, that 16 to 22 is hampered a little bit by some drops. That's that's right. I mean, you were talking about well, when you look at his line, it looks like a solid day. And it could have easily I mean, been. Could, I'll take 16 of 22 for 212 yards every game for for the season. Yeah. And I think that that would garner him a lot of uh, praise across the conference if he can replicate that. But even even with that, you have to consider that there were at least four drops. Yeah, I was going to say three or four drops on balls that. Probably should have been caught. Yeah, and not only not only passes that should have been caught, but passes that he put right where they need to be, and not necessarily huge windows. I mean, there it's not just a you know, guy's running twenty yards wide open and he drops it. Uh, it's it's in tight windows where it requires a little bit of touch, a little bit of accuracy, and you know we'll get to that here with the wide receivers. But to close the book here on on Skyler, I thought it, one of his I don't think you could have asked for a better game out of him. Absolutely not. I think he played great. Um, you know, we coming into this year, I don't want to speak for you, but I'll speak for myself, that there's been a lot of ballyhoo about Skylar Thompson. And, and everybody's talked about how, oh, he's been so mismanaged throughout his first couple of years. And now that there's a, there's a new coaching uh, 
there's a new group of coaches who are going to be managing him. Maybe he could finally, you know, reach his potential or something close to it. And I thought, well, maybe, 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 maybe he's just not very good. Yeah. Um, but what I saw on Saturday gave me a lot of confidence that, well, maybe this guy is the real deal. Yeah. And maybe, maybe everyone who said, oh, well, he's being mismanaged, he's having to look over his shoulder, um, and all that stuff, maybe there's something to that. Because if if we can get this kind of performance uh, from Skylar Thompson the rest of the way, then I think that, you know, the sky's the limit, so to speak, for uh, hey. this K-State football team in 2019. I like it. I like it. So let's transition now to the wide receivers, uh, the final, uh, I guess, group here on the offense uh, here as we kind of wrap up the Nichols review here. Dalton shown uh, with the lone uh, receiving touchdown, a nice double move. If you have to look at a position group from Saturday that didn't really kind of maybe pull their way, it had to, had to probably be the wide receivers. Yeah, and that's mostly because of the drops. Sure. Um, you know, they did they did some good things. They weren't asked to do a ton. I mean, a lot of Thompson's produ- production came on intermediate curl routes and dump-offs to running backs and, well, not a lot, but some of it. Some of his stuff came from... Uh, my point is, is that there weren't a lot of sophisticated things being asked of the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. That a lot of it was just intermediate and let's just march the ball down the field. Maybe that's what this offense is going to look like. But you're right. The drops were not what you wanted to see, especially because on, the, on at least a few of those drops, they were significant plays. I mean, they were, they were for significant yards. Mm-hmm. Knowles dropped a touchdown pass. Uh, Schoen, uh he had a couple, didn't he? He had one that I recall for sure. I think Knowles had two that I remember you know, pretty well, and then I know Schoen had one uh, kind of – I mean, it was one over the sho- over the shoulder catch might have been a touchdown uh, if I remember correctly. It was down there on the um, on going in through the northwest kind of not the corner of the end zone, but about the twenty yard line, twenty thirty yard line. If he's able to get out of a tackle there, maybe uh, with his guy trailing him, he'd be able to walk in for a touchdown. But it's a ball that needs to be caught. Yeah, and. You know, and that's been a that's been an issue of his. Well, that's been an issue of case of wide receivers was, for the last. It was few almost years. it was almost in the same spot. I don't think it was quite the. I think it might have been a little bit further down the field last year against South Dakota, where he had that juggling catch drop that oh, led to right. interception. Yeah. But it was right if if memory serves me correctly, it was right down that same area. Well, you know, it's easy to write this off as say, oh, the receivers are going to figure it out. But it reminds me of that Vanderbilt game couple of years ago where Ertz could not buy a catch from his wide receivers yep. and we thought like why, why why it's just frustrating seeing because that was a unit that we thought had a lot of potential right and all of a sudden it and this year we don't necessarily feel that way yeah but but my point is is that in that first game you saw a lot of drops and instinctively you thought well they'll get it figured out it's a head case thing they'll work on it, but we're not going to see it to this degree the rest of the season. But then K-State's wide receivers did struggle the rest of the season. Yeah. Maybe not to that same degree, yeah. but it was an issue throughout the season. And so I don't want to write off a bad game from the wide receivers as just first-game jitters because it it's an issue that needs to be addressed because if it doesn't, um, this is something that can plague the Wildcat offense the rest of the season. Yeah, and my biggest issue with that is that – 
I think this K-State offense, while it looked very good week one, is going to have trouble this year when it comes to having the explosive plays. And when you go up against teams like OU and Baylor and um, Texas, really throughout the Big 12, except for maybe with the exceptions of, we'll call it maybe KU and what if TCU is able to get their their quarterback situation figured out, those are two offenses that might not have the kind of explosive firepower you might see elsewhere in the Big 12. But throughout the Big 12's history of the last several years... Iowa State in there, too, after that performance on... I'm not quite out on Iowa State. Well... You are. Well... You're, you're kind of backtracking on that prediction, aren't well, you? Well, here, let me just say this. If, if, while we're on the topic of lack of explosive plays, then maybe... Throw Iowa State put, in there. Put maybe earmark Iowa State okay. because that performance okay. on Saturday yeah, from the Iowa State offense is uh, troubling in the explosive play category. So uh, Iowa State uh, drawing some early season ire from D. Louis over right. there. Okay, we we will make note of that as we continue on here. But uh, if K State's going to make enough explosive plays to win these games against Big Twelve teams, wide receiver is going to have to be better than they were on Saturday. I don't think there's any any question about that. Yeah, and that's that's what I was getting back to earlier is that I think K-State's off. I think there is room in this offense for explosive plays, but I think those explosive plays are going to be very precise and intentional in terms of, you know, we've been beating them on the run game between the tackles forever, so it's time to run a play action and go deep and make them pay there. And So there is room in this offense for those big chunk plays, and Skylar Thompson's just the quarterback to be able to accomplish that. I think you can that. put it there, yeah. And so, but a lot of it relies on wide receivers just catching the ball when when they get it thrown their way because um, there's a chance for, there's room in this offense for explosive plays, and that's what makes it so fun. I mean, it, it reminds me of some of those stat lines you'd see back in, like, with those Jonathan Beasley offenses where he'd complete, like, 11 passes for 300 yards or something. Yeah, and go about 40% on on those passes. You know, (laughs) he'd be 40, or he'd be 11 for, you know, 30. But that's the product of a strong running game. Yeah, And and having defenses respect your run and being a run-first offense with a quarterback that can make you pay. The old old 11 of 25 for 300 yards, Jonathan Beasley games, maybe two touchdowns and interception. (laughs) Yeah. Those were the days, man. Yeah, I love Those it. were the days. Well, let's put a bow here on Nichols. Uh, a dominating performance for K-State, 49-14. to Couldn't ask for more of a, a better opening weekend for K-State. Perfect weather. Place was packed. Um, Fun environment. And if you're a K-State fan who was um, apprehensive about the coaching change, this is a game that's encouraging for you. Absolutely. No, I don't think you need to say it any other way than that. So let's turn our attention now. Uh, week two, Bowling Green, uh, we welcomed them to Manhattan. The Falcons. And this is a team, quite frankly, that's not very good. Uh, really? Tell that to Morgan State, <laughs> sir. Yeah, they, they had their way with Morgan State, didn't they? Yeah, um, I'll say. And they, and they outgained Morgan State by... 550 yards. Did you know that icon? Yeah, I did. I was aware. Of course still, I was. <laughs> I but, I mean, Morgan State is one of the worst teams in college football. Right. FCS or FBS alike. They're, they're one of the worst. 
So I'm not quite sweating that performance yet from the Falcons. But you, you do look at the numbers, and they are pretty staggering. As you mentioned, uh, holding Morgan State to under 100 yards. What was the final tally on that? Uh, 620 total yards for the Bowling Green Falcons. And uh, let's see, 70 total yards for the Morgan State Bears. Okay. Well, that, that catches your eye, of course. Um, when we look here at Bowling Green, uh, looking at Phil Steele, uh, projected last in the, in the uh, MAC East, uh, their division of the Mid-American Conference. They got out to a great start, of course, against uh, Morgan State, 46-3. to And when you look here, I, I, I've got Phil Steele right in front of me here. Not actual the person, just the magazine. Oh. Uh, sorry, Phil, we'd love to have you on some other time. But uh, when you look here at his projected, um, his projected depth chart, Grant Loy is listed at quarterback. Well, there's a, been a change. Darius Wade, no relation to Dean, is the starting quarterback for the Falcons. And he had himself quite a nice day uh, at the helm here. 22 of 32, uh, passing the ball. Three touchdowns, 253 yards to the air. Bowling Green is, uh, you know, when you look at these stats and you say, okay, well, maybe they might be all right, I think you have to really consider the level of competition. This is a game I don't really have any any question that K-State's going to uh, take care of pretty easily. Yeah, this is a game that uh, you want to look very similar to last week. You want to see K-State come out, impose their will upon an inferior opponent, and uh, really step on the throat and keep the pressure on for four quarters because uh, – because, yeah, Bowling Green, not uh, one of those MAC teams that strikes fear into you. This isn't Toledo, okay? This is Bowling Green, uh, right down the road from Toledo. Oh, but, yeah? But certainly not a team that you want to uh, sweat too hard. This should not be a stressful game on Saturday. Well, uh, when you look at kind of what Bowling Green has done in previous years, you know, last year... You look at them, three and nine the year before that, two and ten. Perennially one of the doormats of the MAC. So if K State uh, is going to, I want to kind of shift focus a little bit away from Bowling Green here, and I want to uh, kind of phrase this question in terms of K State's got a big game coming up the week following, and I don't want to get into the look ahead game, but I'm I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway here. Big game on the road next week at Mississippi State. What do you need to see from K-State against Bowling Green that makes you think, okay, going into Mississippi State, with Mississippi State has some issues of their own. Uh, new quarterback, uh, new quarterback, new to Mississippi State, however not uh, new necessarily to Joe Moorhead as he had Tommy Stevens at, at Penn State as a backup for Trace McSorley uh, while he was there. He follows him to Penn State or to Mississippi State from Penn State. A little shaky against uh, Louisiana Lafayette last weekend, only winning by uh, ten, I believe. I think the score is 38-28 in a game that was, you know, within a touchdown, uh, kind of uh, there as we we got into the third and fourth quarter. Uh, but Mississippi State was able to to pull away and, and win that one. When you look at what what would you like to see K State do? against Bowling Green that has you feeling when we record this next week, the K-State 
this is a they have a good chance of winning going into to Starkville against uh, against the the Bulldogs. Well, I want to see our offense come out and put up a similar similarly efficient uh, game to the one we saw against Nichols, where because that was the worry coming into the season. Is K State's offense going to be able to put up enough points to hang with uh, with some of the tougher opponents they'll face? And if K State can come out and just cut through Bowling Green like butter and uh, shore up some of the issues in the passing game, especially with the drops, uh, then I think that offense, you know, you like everything you've seen so far going into that Mississippi State game. Uh, maybe Mississippi State, you know, gets the better of our offense, but in terms of the first two games, if we can come out and put up another similar performance, then there's not really anything more you can ask uh, out of the offense going into the Mississippi State game. Turning to the defensive side, uh, one thing I want to see is just a more consistent pass rush out of the defensive line this week. Um, Morgan State against Bowling Green was able to get a sack. That's one more sack than K-State got against Nichols last week. So I think that uh, you know if K-State's front four, and really I'd like it, if we could just get a pass rush with the front four, that's great. But even if we do have to mix in some blitzes, I just want to see the quarterback uh being put under pressure just to show me that we are capable of doing it. Uh, that would go a long way for me defensively. And then just a similarly um, solid performance from our second and third layers. Well, I think uh, that would do a lot for me as well. What I'd like to see too is I, what I'm interested in seeing a little bit is just kind of the over, how, how crisp, things look from a K-State perspective because I thought things looked great. I mean, in terms of players knowing where they need to be, there was no miscommunication really in terms of that. And, you know, we had all off season, you know, to kind of get, you know, ready for, for nickels and all that stuff. I want to see just the week to week kind of stuff. Uh, do, I, do I see levels of improvement there? Uh, so I'm overall, I'm, I'm thinking this should be a pretty comfortable win for K-State as I've, probably made relatively clear here by my downplaying of Bowling Green. Uh, D'Lu, K-State is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite over the Eagles. Or, excuse me, the Falcons. They're not playing the Eagles this week. They're in Philadelphia. But they're playing the Bowling Green Falcons, 23-and-a-half-point favorite. How do you see the game going? Uh, I see K-State going out and just punishing, uh, punishing the Bowling Green Falcons. Uh, I think it's K-State wins comfortably. I think that we saw a confident team last Saturday, and I think that this team is going to be confident again this week. And what's clear is that they didn't take Nichols lightly last week. No. And I think part of that's maybe has something to do with climbing. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, they have respect for the FCS, of course, having come from there. I, I think that they definitely drilled that this is not a game that we need to be overlooking. Obviously, look no further than what Nichols did um, last year against KU. You know, granted, it's KU, so you maybe you can take that with a bit of a grain. But this is a team that's gone out and beat um, Big 12 competition. You have to go back a few more years. They were very close to beating Georgia in Athens. Nichols was. Yeah. And well, so you look at just right. you look at just you know being able to respect your opponent. I I think Bowling Green will have the attention of K State, but I do worry a little bit about a look ahead here. With uh, with Mississippi State uh, on the horizon, I'm not I'm not worried about the look ahead factor at all. I think K State comes out 
has another dominating performance on the ground. Uh, I think Thompson looks sharp again through the air, and I think the defense puts together another solid performance. I'm saying Kansas State, 44. Bowling Green, 17. Another okay. cover for the Cats. We're, we're pretty close here. I'm going K-State 41, Bowling Green 13. It sounds like we're thinking Blake Lynch is going to get a little bit more work this week. Well, uh, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see he pushed his one opportunity. And I always, I'll go out here and say it. No one else will. I think we're going to have to punt this weekend. No, I don't. You don't no punts for K-State. No. no way. Okay. All right. That, that's you've, you, you've said it all. Yeah. So... <laughs> All no, right. we're not going to have to punt until uh, we get down to Starkville. I don't know. I wasn't thinking we are going to have to punt that one, actually. Well, we might. To be determined. I want to I want to reevaluate that. Yeah, that's week. fair. To that's see fair. how close we get to having to punt. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, folks, you'll have to you know, tune in maybe for that prediction if K-State will have to actually punt the season or not. Because on pace... No punts. Devin Aitel... Parking over, the, parking over there on the bench. I mean, yeah. you're going to get lots of... Uh, and I, did you see his little thing about... The holding uh, the, thing? The holding thing? Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's pretty well done by him, wasn't it? Yeah, it's cool. He, he seems like he's got some good personality, don't you? You think that would have flown under Snyder? No. I don't think so either. No, I don't think it would I think Snyder would have said, what are you doing? Goofing off during practice. Devin. Yeah, I... And he might have had a point there. Too. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not. I'm not just coming down one side of the fence to the other, but I, I kind of liked it. I yeah. thought it was cool. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it's funny and, you know... Hopefully he gets it. In today's culture with all these millennials. I know. They, they just love memes and viral videos and stuff. Yeah. But he doesn't love a good meme. I love them. I, I mean, I, we're millennials. We love yeah, memes. We love memes and memes and, and all of them. Viral videos yeah, and I social love, media. I love viral videos. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that pretty well uh, covers it. What was your final score again? Uh, I believe I said 44 to 17. 41-13 for me. So a comfortable cover for K-State here in this one. 23 and a half is the number, so uh, we're saying take the cats, man. By the way, I was pretty close last week. You were. You, you, were, you were giving them more. said 42 to 14. You were giving them more respect than I was. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very knowledgeable about K-State, you know. You, I, I, I've known this for years. Yeah. So, well, folks, that will do it here for the recap of Nichols and uh, the preview of Bowling Green. Join us after a quick break. Where a personal favorite of my segments here, as Dilu gives us another in the long line of Wildcat legends. I always wanted to be able to say that because yeah. you always do it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to give you job. a Wildcat legend, and we're also going to uh, bring back Ask the Icon. Join us after a quick break. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where we are now getting into a segment of the show that we haven't had in a while. Been on hiatus from this section, but it's an important section. It's one of our favorite. It's a section we call this week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, uh, this week's Wildcat Legend hails from Louisiana, I think. Louisiana! Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's a uh, wide receiver. Okay. He's number 15. Oh. And I can't even hold it in anymore. I'll just tell you. It's Davin Dennis. All right! Yeah. Uh, Dennis. Uh, played for Kansas State University from 2001 to 2005, where uh, he was a three-year starter. He redshirted in 2001, but after that he hauled in 67 receptions for 934 yards and seven touchdowns Okay. from 2002 to 2005. Yeah. And I'll tell you, his shining moment came in the 2004 Tostitos Fiesta Bowl when Kansas State faced Ohio State. 
In that game, Dennis caught seven passes for 113 yards and a 35-28 loss to the Buckeyes. But that season, Kansas State, you may remember, also won the Big 12 Conference with a stunning 35-7 upset over then-number-one-ranked Oklahoma. I do remember that, yeah. That anyway, was something, wasn't it? <laughs> sure was. Uh, Dennis played a key role in that season, and it would prove to be his best season because he caught two, 22 catches for 404 yards and had four touchdowns into the 2003 season. Uh, he went on to finish his senior year and graduated in 2005 with a bachelor's degree in social sciences. Um, and then he played some pro ball, too. He got oh, some, did he really? Yeah, he got some run in the uh, All-American Football League. Okay. He was a wide receiver for Team Michigan. Oh, And okay. he uh, also played in the Arena Football League, where he was a wide receiver for the San Jose Sabercats. All right. And that was a solid Sabercats. Oh, they, yeah, they're, they're, always, they're always strong. Any, uh, any Davin Dennis memories stick out to you? Oh, of course. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. You know, that was a disappointing game. Obviously, there was a lot going on with that uh, that game and the lead-up to it. And, and K-State fell short, despite a furious comeback. Uh, as you may remember, I think we spot, spotted them three touchdowns? Maybe four? It was, yeah. It was... I, I don't think it was four, because I don't think we scored, you know, uh, I, well, not four. Because I remember they got one kind of late to kind of put it away, and we got it back and had a Hail Mary there at the end that came up a little short of the end zone. But, no, Devin Dennis was a nice little player for K-State. Of course, I remember um, his um, career fondly, as, as I think most Wildcat fans would. Yeah, absolutely. And for that reason... Devin Dennis will be remembered by the short side option. And Wildcats fans everywhere, do you have something else you'd like to say? You know, there is one thing I do remember about Devin Dennis, and this is a and I don't want to sully his career at all. Well, then don't. Okay, then I won't. I will <laughs> okay, say good. That. I'm not going to. I, I consider it zip. That's very very prudent of you. Yeah. Because he this is a time for, for fondness and for we memories. Celebrate him. And we are celebrating him. He was a, a very nice wide receiver for K State, and that's why. Devin is this week's Wildcat Legend. And now, Icon, now that we finished the segment Wildcat Legend, um, what were you going to say about uh, that 2003 Marshall game? Oh, <laughs> yeah. But that, to, in his defense, that was a tough catch. Yeah, it was not easy. That, that, that's not a routine catch like you have shown Biffin. No, that was, that's a, that was a tricky ball. That was, uh, if I remember right, he was sliding. It was going to be a sliding catch. Would have been very tough. Um, would have loved to have him have that. Yeah, you know, I mean, who else would you want to have that ball? You know, anyone else? No. You know why he got that ball? Because he's a wildcat legend. That's you why. need him to get that ball. That's right. You want him on that wall. You, you need, need him, him on, on that ball. ball. So that was a. Um, you know, he was a good wide receiver for K State, and I'm I'm very happy that he was selected as this week's wildcat legend. Absolutely. And now, another segment that's been on hiatus. And we're back in this long offseason. We're ready. This is a segment where our listeners, okay, for, if you haven't listened to the show before, first of all, welcome. It's a, we're, we're happy to have you here. But during the show, at times, we'll allow a little listener interaction. Yeah. We'll let the listener ask the short side option's very own Chris the Icon Sork a question. And they'll answer it. I will. And you can do that in any number of ways that we've documented throughout our time here, but the most, uh, the way that probably gets used the most is 
uh, via Twitter. And then you can submit questions to the short side options, very own Chris the Icon Sork, by tweeting at us, which is at TSSO underscore podcast, or using the uh, hashtag AskTheIcon. And that hashtag has taken over the world. It's one tweet at a time, right? That's what, that's, you know, that's what they say, huh? I'm seeing it everywhere, yeah. Also, folks, I want to... We're open to other means of communication, whether if it's... I've had questions keyed into my car before. Yeah. Asking me... I've had people verbally, or not only just verbally, but physically assault me on the street, punching me in the mouth, saying, Hey, Icon, I have a question for you. Yeah, and you can pass notes to Tommy from third period. Yeah, and he can pass them to me. Yeah, he'll, 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 he'll get them to me. Yeah. I've also wanted to let all of our listeners know outside of the apartment... I have um, the pigeon coop. Yeah, I have. I've got some fresh seed in there uh, for folks to uh, for well for folks for pigeon well folks to if they want, but pigeons to you know eat, stop on their way as they drop off messages to, to me, and we'll we'll get them on the air. Yeah, that's right. Tie a note to a brick and throw it right through his wind right th- right through his windshield. Yeah, do it. Right, that's fine. Yeah, any 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 way you want to do it, we're open to all of them. Uh, but most of the most time, most people just submit. Yeah, most most do. Yeah, that's fine too. Um, one question that was not submitted to us via Twitter uh, came from uh, a long listener of the show, Big Dog in Madison, our Big Ten correspondent, our Big Ten correspondent, our Big Dog correspondent. That's right. Uh, but Icon, uh, Big Dog in Madison wanted to know which Big Twelve team's performance in Week One change your perception of them the most. And I take it that could mean either good or bad. To, to the pro or to the to the to the anti, so to speak. Yeah. Um yeah, you have to look at Iowa State. I mean I think that's where the that's where that discussion pretty well be, begins and ends. Big twelve went undefeated in week one. Um, of course I was very impressed with what I saw from Oklahoma offensively. That's a game I don't think K State really has much of a chance in to be to be frank. And um I think Iowa State, you know, have to take, I believe, three overtimes to, to beat Indiana State, Northern Iowa. Indiana State was KU. Northern Iowa for Iowa State. Uh, that it was, I mean, nervous moments down there in Ames. Well, yeah, and that's a, you have to remember that, and that Northern Iowa Iowa State game, kind of have to throw the record books out. Yeah. Because those course. are two programs that absolutely hate each other. It's a fierce rivalry, and, uh, it's always going to be a tight game. It is. And, and in that game, too, uh, Northern Iowa was buoyed a little bit by some luck in terms of uh, scoop and score on a fumble that probably was an incomplete pass, I believe. And, there, I mean, there were some things that kind of took – that Iowa State kind of got on the short end of. But all things considered – you know, you, you survive in advance a little bit if you're Iowa State, and, and they've got a big – you'll know a lot more about Iowa State, not this week, but the week following, uh, as they welcome uh, the Hawkeyes. It's easy, it's easy to overreact in week one. Look no further than 2011, Eastern Kentucky. What was that 10-7? to 7? That's right. Um, and that was a game that was brutal. Yeah. When you when – you, I remember leaving – the stadium that day, and saying, "Well, folks, that might be. We might get one. We might be able to get through the non-conference undefeated. Maybe. But well, after, <laughs> after that, you were thinking, well, 'Well, we're going to go down to. We're going to get our butts kicked by Miami.' Oh yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah. Excuse me, non-conference. I, I was excuse yeah, me. We yes. might be able to get through get, Kent State. Get, we might be able to get through Kent State, and then um, yeah, yeah. After that, would be in trouble." 
but the but, point is is that good teams can sometimes play ugly games against bad teams in week one, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to draw too much from it. But it's something to keep an eye on sure. because absolutely, you know, yet it's certainly not an indicator of a really solid team when you're going to three overtimes with uh, sure far inferior opponent. Sure. But, and I believe Iowa State dropped out of the rankings this week due to that performance. They're uh, tied with Nebraska in the AP poll, I mm-hmm. believe, um, at 20, 25 or 26. They each have the last spot, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. So technically top 26 this week in the uh, AP poll. And I, I want to say one one quick thing here while we're just on that topic of discussion. Uh, I had a, had a listener uh, had, had texted me um, last week asking for something called we call Icon's Lock of the Week. And I've got mine this week. What's that? Buffs three and a half. They're catching three and a half at home. And folks, there's nothing better than a home team getting points. What's better than that? And I think that I think that uh, that underdog down in Boulder. Oh. They're not only going to be howling; they're going to be trampling. They're going to Ralphie's going to be running. And I think uh, I think not only do they cover th- or do they stay within the three and a half points, I think Colorado wins the game on the field. So you like that uh, that Colorado Colorado State game showed you a lot last week, huh? I'm not high on Nebraska. Well, I know you've always you we you and I have both always thought that the Buffs have a very bright future. Mm, we do. That's a that's a story for a different time. But absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we will move on here. Um, question from listener. Clones for life at Duck Duck Dave. He asks, Icon, do you expect to see a goal line package with Holcomb? If not, why? No, I, I would fully expect to see that. Maybe not this week, but down the line. I think uh, when you have a running back by committee look that K-State has where, you know, not necessarily one guy is maybe doesn't fit the the build of maybe a short yard short yardage bruiser. The one guy I think that does fit that description is John Holcomb. Well, Jordan Brown. I, yeah, but I don't quite get – I mean, he's not six, six – I mean, there's not many 6'3 running backs. So, like, my, my whole thing, when I think of, like, this guy is a goal line back, I'm thinking of two guys. They both played for the same team in the Big 12. Not currently. They're – I bet I know. I bet, I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about, like, Jabari Toombs and the A-Train. Or the J – Who's Jaworski that? Lane Jaworski and, Lane and Jamar Toombs. Yeah, Jamar Toombs, Jabari Toombs. Yeah, Jamar uh, Toombs. Yeah, and, no. I mean, those guys. Those guys. Are that right. is a short yardage. Well, back. yeah. I mean, Joe Hall. Yeah, Joe Hall, of course. But, uh, yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. No, they, it's a shame they don't too, man. That, that, that's football right there, folks. Yeah, but, but but I think you're right. And Kleiman basically said as much uh, in his press conference. Something week. to keep an eye on. I think maybe that's and that's another great example of like. You know, in, think in past situations, like when obviously Casey had Conklin, they would they would use that situation. Uh, they would, you know, third and one, fourth and one. You know who's getting the ball, pretty well. Um, also, think back to uh, 2009, 2010 with uh, Daniel Thomas. They put him in the Wildcat, direct snap it to him, and you know let him do things. And now he was also too a former quarterback. Uh, in the junior college ranks. Yeah. Um, so when you look at that, I think it makes a lot of sense for K-State to to explore uh, a type of goal line short yardage package with uh, John Holcomb because not only 
the one thing I really like about that is not only is he a physical runner, which you, you've seen just by watching him in, in his uh, in that final drive on Saturday, but I mean, the physicality with which he runs with just the overall size, and also adding to uh, the account that he can throw. So it can keep. It, it's not it's, a strict wild. It's it, not Angelo Peace back there. Yeah, it it, it allows uh, some diversity out of that. So you might be able to you know fake the the quarterback power, dump it over to the tight end, or uh, you know do a couple different things there. All right. Moving right along, uh, listener fighting Bruce Weber's at Jay Wyland eleven twenty five asks. Well, it's not so much of a question. He doesn't phrase it really as a question. He says, uh, "Is this I heard- a statement to the icon?" It's a statement with a question mark at the end. He says, <laughs> I, I heard Luke Kazoop Is it Kazuki? Um, Kazoopge? I heard it pronounced, and now I can't remember it. Uh, I, I had been pronouncing it Kazabuke. Kazabuke. Yeah, but, it's not, but that's Kazoop, not right. Kazuke? Someone send us a phonetic spelling of K-State's new... Uh, Kasabki, I believe. Kasabki. I think. Well, anyway. Is the correct pronunciation. Kasabki. Yeah. I heard Luke Kasabki... And Xavier Sneed are franchising an Emo's Pizza where Zarbar used to be. Is that a fact? Well, I don't know. He's asking you, I guess. I'll do some work on this. But that would be a welcome addition to the Manhattan community. You like Provel cheese? I love it. Mm. Can't get enough. It's all right. But uh, can't can't touch the nice hot already, as far as I'm I'm concerned. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, you know, with with Luke uh, Kasabki's... I hope to God I'm pronouncing that correctly. We'll have to do some research on that. Kazabuke. <laughs> I kind of like that better, personally. Well, that'd be a barnstormer in the uh, Dylan's Sunflower oh, Show. Oh, it sure would be. Kazabuke and Kazabuke. Um, but um, with his addition to uh, Bruce Weber's 2020 recruiting class, that gives K-State two top 150 guys. And uh, with only one spot left, I expect K-State to... Uh, we have have some more recruits coming in this week for visits. All 150 guys. I would not be surprised to see another one of those sign, and I wouldn't be surprised to see K State over sign a little bit uh, here as we uh, get into uh, kind of the heart of basketball recruiting. All right, so that's that. Just a little touch of basketball here. Can't wait for it, baby. In the uh, start of football season, but we'll move on. Listener Trim at Trimgo Ema asks. Icon, do you and Delu have what it takes to win Fatty Fest by yourselves on September 21st, or will you add two to three two teammates? So this is an opportunity for us to plug Fatty Fest. Yeah. And we, uh, we'll get into that. And, and I want to just say right off the bat, there's no better cause for K-State fans uh, that live in Manhattan. If, if, if you live in Manhattan, you should absolutely go. If you live anywhere close, you should go too. Unfortunately for me, I'm not listening to my own advice. I will be out of town that weekend for the second straight year, and I'm really bummed about it. All right, it's too bad. But donations coming your way, folks. Don't you, uh, don't you, don't you forget it. Yeah, it's an excellent event. Uh, it's on September 21st this year. Proceeds go to the Schwan Al-Khatib Fund at K-State. Uh, obviously, Fatty, a legendary K-State uh, fan. Excellent video maker. Um, his, Tremendous BBSer. Yeah, his, his K-State videos are... If you're a K-State fan, you have seen his videos. Yeah. They are. You can't be a K-State fan and not have seen his videos. Absolutely. And it's a fun event. In the years past, there's been an auction and trivia and all sorts of fun stuff to do. Um, and it was certainly fun last year. And I think I got a couple 
things at the auction last year. You got uh, me a shirt. Yeah, I think I got a shirt for myself too. Yeah, a Big Eight shirt. Yeah, and I also got a, a candy skull for uh, one of our listeners. All right, but uh, it's a blast. Get out there, September twenty first. Uh, we'll have more details coming to you in the next couple weeks, but want to get that out there. Uh, so thank you for that uh, plug there from listener Trim. Uh, moving on, listener Joey Kenny at Jay Kenny nineteen eighty seven asks. Is Jalen Hurts that good, or is Houston's defense just that bad? Houston's defense isn't any good, but Jalen Hurts is very good. Uh, that's a guy – now, obviously, you have to look back at what he did at Alabama. So I was thinking about this today when I was looking back at that uh, Alabama um, game in the SEC title last year against Georgia. So for those that are maybe uninitiated, Tua Tagovailoa – has to leave the game with an injury to his ankle, okay? And at this time, the season's on the line for Alabama. They are playing for a spot in the college football playoff, as is Georgia. And out goes Tua, in comes Jalen Hurts, in a situation that Alabama's trailing. And he leads them on two touchdown drives to, uh, to win that game. And not only did he win the game and get Alabama to, uh, to get to the national title, which they, of course, got drubbed by Clemson, he also allowed Oklahoma to get into the college football playoff with his performance. So he paid it forward to Oklahoma at that time, and I think he's going to have a really nice season at, at Oklahoma this year. When you look at what uh, he did uh, on, on, I guess it would be Sunday night, the most impressive performance of the week for sure. Uh, Drew, I know you're pulling up the numbers here, but because um, 20 of 23 for 330 yards through the air with three touchdowns, uh, had 16 carries for 176 and three touchdowns on the ground too. So combined for six touchdowns and about uh, just about 500 yards total offense. I don't know if that's going to be a week in week out performance for him. I, I certainly Hope it's not uh, for the for the rest of the Big 12's sake, but uh, he is going to be a, a load for Oklahoma this season. And, and I also I cheer for the guy. I think the way he, he handled things at Alabama, uh, of course, with that whole situation, uh, handled it with nothing but class, and, and by all accounts, is a stand-up guy. So uh, outside of K State, I will uh, be pulling for Jalen Hurts uh, all season. All right, very good. Uh, next question comes from listener Mahomes Season at KSU underscore funny thirty three. Uh, he asks, "What did you think of the new player intro? Do you miss the cat train?" Uh, yeah, part of me does. I miss the cat train, man. Yeah, I do because I mean that's what you grew up with. Yeah, and but in terms of like the new player intro, like that's fine. There's not enough locomotive themes. I, I would have preferred a little bit more locomotive. <laughs> I I agree with you, but no, I thought it was fine. I mean. I didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world, but it's fine. I thought it was cool. I liked the fireworks and the the little tunnel garage. I always liked the garage door thing that Prince did. I thought that was cool. And, I, yeah, was and cool. we're we're doing that. We're doing it again. I I think it's fine. Yeah, I I, I don't have a huge opinion on it, uh, but yeah, it was it was fine. Um, he has the second question, and this is a little meta. This is about the podcast. He said, "Any plans to include more guests in the future?" says he enjoyed the interviews from the preview uh, podcast 
and that he would like to hear uh, maybe some from wild, from some Wildcat legends. Well, that's certainly a great point. Uh, we, you know, one thing I'd like to do is uh, we'll we'll of course try to you know get those guys that we we spoke with. Um, of course, schedules. Uh, can be difficult, but we're going to try to get those guys on again. So if uh, if you're listening out there, consider this uh, your warning to clear your schedule because we'd like to get their thoughts. No one knows their team better than they do um, in terms of in terms of what's going on at those prospective universities. And in terms of Wildcat legends coming on the podcast, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I, I challenge uh, our listeners to maybe come up with a wish list of who you'd like to hear from. I, I'd certainly, Which Wildcat legends they'd like to hear from? Yeah, because yeah. I think I think that there would be, uh, you know, I think that that's I know who I be my number one, who? who I'd really like to get on here sometime. Who's that? Oh, Roberson. Well, he's not a Wildcat. He hasn't crowned a Wildcat legend yet. I don't think. No, he, I don't. I don't believe you have. But I consider him a Wildcat legend. Well, then let's just hold our horses off. I don't want to, but I feel like that's stepping a little bit into your into your. Arena. Yeah, maybe we start with Milton Proctor. Hey, I'd love to have Milton Proctor on. Me I was too. a big fan of Milton Proctor. I would too. But well, uh, I agree. I agree. That's something uh, we can explore down the road and uh, keep your ear out for. Uh, but that, that's a that's a great suggestion. Something we've got someone in the works uh, for next week for Mississippi State that I think will be pretty good. Oh, very good. That that's what in the industry, folks, we call it tease. Tune in. So uh, how about that? So. Is that, that all we got for the icon? Huh? That's, that's the end of the mail. Okay. Mail's closed. Well, uh, Dilu, it's, it's week two now. College football is here. We're in the thick of it now. We're in the third week of football, week two. Yeah, <laughs> how, how about that? Huh? <laughs> so, as we close here on, on this edition of the Short Side Option, anything else you need to get off your chest? Anything else you want to drive home or anything you need to say? Um... <sighs> No, not this week. Yep. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing you have. Uh, did I? Well, I already told the listeners that I loved. Them. Well, no, I wasn't even saying that. I just you, you're you've, you're all out there. You, you've given you've given everything. To yeah, we'll put it all on the line. Okay. I've, I've, yeah, I'm, as you always do. I'm sick, and you've battled through it. I battled through it. I love the listeners. Okay, that's all that needs to be said. And that doesn't even that should go without saying that that you have such it's, an affinity for him. It doesn't need to be said, but and sometimes that's it's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, I think that closes it out here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, we're both expecting the cats to roll uh, this week and uh, should set up in a uh, matchup. I think Mississippi State has uh, welcomed Southern Miss uh, to Stark Vegas. Could be an interesting game there, maybe. Uh, Southern Miss usually has a, has a little bit of a decent team, but I think uh, Mississippi State should – handle business there. So I think uh, we're going to have a matchup of two undefeated teams going in. I know Mississippi State's right on that fringe of getting into that top 25, so it might even be a chance for K-State to go on the road and maybe spring an upset over a ranked team. Absolutely. I think that they're right there, and if they take take care of business against Southern Miss, then uh, there's no reason that, uh, that I think that, yeah, I think Mississippi State will be ranked. Okay. Well, folks, that concludes this edition of the Short Side Option. Uh, as always, uh, give us your feedback on Twitter at TSSO underscore podcast. And uh, you'll be hearing from us here next week as we review the Bowling Green game and look ahead to Mississippi State in Starkville. Signing off for the Icon and D. Louie. Thanks for listening to the Shortside Option.